Happy holidays out there to everybody. Brian, I know you and your family have to get on a plane out to Minnesota to, to celebrate Christmas. Uh, but before you do that, let's spend a few minutes talking about the high school guys that signed with Colorado in the 2024 class during the early signing period. We were planning to do this on Wednesday, but of course, we were all waiting on Jordan Seaton. I didn't think we could really do this until we had some uh, finality there with him. Yeah, you kind of got to get the big fish in before you can talk about the whole uh, you know group of the that you caught, right? So, um, yeah, we we didn't know. Uh, you know, maybe you did, but you know, we didn't know like what Jordan Seaton was going to do. I'm not sure anybody did on Wednesday, but um, certainly had to wait for that. But it, and especially because there's only five others. So you know, if you're only going to talk about a handful of uh, high school kids, let's talk about them all at once. Well, let's start with Jordan Seaton because that yeah. is the headliner, like you mentioned. This is unlike uh, the type of offensive lineman that we've seen to come to Colorado now. There's been guys like Nate Solder and David Bakhtiari that have been three-star guys that end up being really successful, well-paid NFL guys. But in terms of the cachet coming in, you got to go back to Ryan Miller when he was a five-star recruit back in the 07 class. And even that, uh, you know, Jordan's a little bit higher rated overall. He's the number three in terms of the, his composite rating right now, all time, if you go back to 2000, now you can't really go back before that because uh, that's when the internet age with recruiting coverage started. But uh, yeah. this is this is a really big deal. There's a reason that folks were as nervous as they were. There was a reason that, uh, you know, the coverage was uh, as focused on him in recent days as it was. Yeah. And, you know, part of it is because uh, CU fans saw what the offensive line looked like this last year. And so if you can get the number one offensive lineman in the country, uh, you know, it, that's a position where um, typically, you know, I remember like Mike McIntyre, um, you know, telling me uh, or telling probably us that um, generally it's that third year on campus that an offensive lineman is ready to go because you need those couple of years to develop. But some guys are different, and uh, there's not very many guys like Jordan Seaton that can probably step in right away. I, you know, I think of a guy like uh, Penne Sewell a couple of years ago at Oregon that, uh, you know, as a true freshman came in and was just dominant as an offensive tackle. And I don't know where Jordan Seaton compares to him, but, like, it, it can happen. And if anybody's going to do that, it's Jordan Seaton, and that's why you want that guy, um, you know, in on your team. And that's why CU fans were nervous when, you know, there's rumors of Maryland and, you know, uh, you know, all the other schools like Tennessee and things like that. But that's why CU fans were nervous and, and probably rejoiced and uh, maybe gloated a little bit yesterday afternoon uh, when it came down that he was actually coming to CU. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be hard for us to set expectations for Jordan Seaton in, in year one. And you look at a guy like Caden Proctor that went to Alabama, and this was somebody that CU had a a brief flirtation with. Uh, Tim Brewster did an in-home visit with him last winter. He ends up going to Alabama. Uh, and He was pretty solid, but he gave up pressures. He gave up sacks. And um, there's nothing about Jordan Seaton in his game that – uh, suggests that he's anything other than the real deal. And, and just seeing him in person on his official visit, it's like, wow, this is just different looking than what Colorado usually brings in in terms of a true freshman offensive lineman. But what can we expect from him? How much can those 15 spring practices help? I really don't know. I don't know. Do you need to bring in competition to compete with him at left tackle? Or is is do you pencil Jordan Seaton in? Uh, to protect Shador Sanders' blindside. There's there's a lot riding on this 2024 season for not just Colorado, but Shador Sanders and trying to maximize what Travis Hunter is going to do in the college level. Uh, it does make me question, like, how much can we, how much can Colorado put on this young man in year one? Yeah, you know, and I think some of it depends on who comes back because, 
you know, I've seen a lot of, uh, you know, fans are out there. Here, here's my projected offensive line. And it doesn't include a guy like Savion Washington, who, you know, played pretty well early last year. And then he got hurt. And, you know, when he came back, he wasn't healthy and, and didn't play as well. But um, don't discount a Savion Washington. And, you know, I look at last year, there were a ton of fans that were, you know, penciling in at cornerback. It's Travis Hunter and Cormani McClain. Well, Deion Sanders made Cormani McClain earn it. And, you know, he didn't really earn it uh, for a long time and, you know, played a little bit, uh, you know, played more the second half of the season. Now, McLean's different. You know, maybe Dion has different standards for a cornerback five-star. Uh, obviously, uh, Cormani, uh, he came in late summer as opposed to yeah. Jordan Seaton's going to be here in the spring. Uh, that's a big, big difference, especially, um, you know, offensive line. So um, I don't think we can pencil in Jordan Seaton at left tackle at this point, but uh, I think that you definitely have to make it compete for it and earn it because, uh, you know, you've got other tackles that you've signed and you've got Savion Washington. So make him earn it. But I think if he is a starter on the offensive line, he's earned it because we've seen with this team, with this coaching staff, that they will play the best players. And if you're not, they don't care if you're a five-star. If you haven't earned it, you're not going to play. Yeah, there's only six high school signees in the early signing period for Colorado. And um, that's maybe a strategy that I, I is it's get, it's not maybe it's getting uh judged out there uh yeah. some people think that you've got to do whatever you can to maximize the potential for 2024 but then other people say well that's no, that's no way to build a college roster i spent a lot of time thinking about this the last couple of days brian um i think that given where cu is at right now and you reflect on you mentioned cormani mclean he struggled a little bit at times this past season uh Omarion Miller had a huge second half against USC, but he was still a true freshman. He still had the consistency part of it that you just don't seem to get until you have some experience at this level. So you really probably can't bank on a whole lot. Now we'll get into some of these other guys that might be able to be playmakers early on in their time at Colorado, but you can't necessarily expect them to be all conference guys from day one. And so uh, I do understand the strategy to get the more proven guys when you're looking at, 2024 as this golden opportunity to really maximize things. But on the same level, getting to Jordan Seaton, I think helps with 2025 recruiting and having Coach Prime tell Stephen A. Smith that uh, I love Boulder and, and reiterating the fact that, uh, you know, he's committed to Colorado. And so there are parts that I think could jumpstart their 2025 recruiting. But I, I get the debate. I get why it's taking place. I just have now kind of after really digesting it kind of lean on the side of coach prime and maybe this is the best strategy given um you know where we are in college football these days yeah you know and, and i've seen uh some narratives that you know there's some place to call it it's lazy recruiting to go this way i'm like i i think that's the wrong way to put it because i don't think it's easier to recruit a transfer than it is a high school kid um I, you still have to go out and find the right fits i don't think it's lazy recruiting um i've also seen people say this is no way to build a program well how do we know because the the transfer portal era is so new that uh, we don't know if there's this is a way to do it. I mean, there's plenty of teams in uh, in the professional levels that that's how they build their rosters is um, a lot through free agency, right? And that's kind of what this is. Deion Sanders has said it. You know, the the transfer portal is free agency. Uh, you know, the high schools is the draft. Well, there's a lot of pro teams that lean more on free agency than the draft and kind of you know fill some holes with the draft, but. Um, that's what he wants to do. I think it's too early to say that this this is not a strategy that can work because if you load up with transfers that have three years left, you can still develop them and you've got them for three, four years. So um, I think that what they're doing is is fine. And um, the same article said, well, it doesn't work this way. It said, well, they were better than I thought they were going to be this last year. 
<laughs> so in, in one article I was saying, well, it worked this first year, but that's not how you do it. Well, we'll see. Cause I think they're going to be better this next year. And I, I so I like you, I kind of lean towards uh, Deion Sanders here and let's just see this play out because they're clearly getting better. I think the roster is clearly getting better than it was last year. Yeah. They've gone out and addressed needs. Now, uh, as we record this linebacker is still a big need for this program, but they've done a really good job of taking care of some of their weak links back in 2023. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it sure does seem like we, we talked all about all these incoming transfers that the caliber of linemen coming into this program are, are a step up from what they were last winter when you're, yeah. I, I wouldn't say scrambling as a staff, but you know, coach prime was uh, coaching in the celebration bowl. You know, part of his staff was kind of split. You you don't have uh, the ability to really have the same momentum with recruiting like you do now in year two. And, and we've seen that manifest itself with positive results. I, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure that they need to be done with offensive alignment. They might need another lineman or two with, especially with Matthew Bedford going to Oregon, but the pieces that they have brought in are, are clearly a step above what they brought in last winter. Yeah, and Isaiah Walker not coming here as well. The you know the JUCO kid. Um, you know they went out and got Philip Houston from FIU. That was kind of a later addition. But um, I, I I would probably say you need another offensive lineman, at least one. I think they're at fourteen right now. Is that right? Is it fourteen or fifteen? And I think you know I we typically see sixteen, seventeen, and so um, I'd probably like to see another couple linemen. But um, I, I think they got plenty of pieces there. Uh, obviously, they brought in six transfers or five transfers that were starters last year. You have Jordan Seaton. You still have a couple of guys, and I know CU fans will, uh, you know, you can say what you want about these guys, but, you know, you have two starters back from last year, Jack Bailey and Savion Washington. And then you got Tyler Brown, who sat all last year, was projected as a starter. So um, you, there's plenty of competition for a two deep there that's going to be really good. Draylen Miller coming in from Silsby, Texas. Cameron McKell from Georgia. These are a couple top level type athletes. You know, Cam McKell had Georgia make uh, a late run at him. And and initially Georgia was looking at him more as a defensive back prospect with, with McKell wanting to play on offense in college. They came back in late and said, we'll, we'll put the ball in your hands. And so that's a huge recruiting win for them. Draylen Miller was committed to Texas A&M for a while. Uh, Different type of players. McKell is, is, going to be one of the fastest guys every time he steps on the field. Draylon Miller is a guy that I think when he gets in a college weight room is going to become a beast because he's somebody that's already a pretty physical player. Uh, Any thoughts on those two guys and what they bring to the offense? I could see both of those guys having some type of role next year. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how receiver uh, plays out because, I mean, there was some freshmen we were excited about this year. Um, Omarion Miller had the one big half, like you mentioned, but not a whole lot after that. So it's hard to know what to expect. But um, Draylon Miller, um, he sort of reminds me of, of LaVisca Chenault as far as like his physicality at that position and uh, the way he, I mean, I think he, he could be a yak monster, right? You know, uh, like, like Chenault was a guy that he's going to be tough to bring down. He's going to get some, a lot of yards after he's uh, after the contact. So um, I really like that. And then, um, you know, Cam McKell, obviously shifty and fast, you know, and he's a guy that uh, you could see uh, maybe being in a return role, uh, a slot type of role. So I think both those guys are really exciting, maybe more so for the future uh, because you still have, I mean, they're loaded with a receiver. You have Travis Hunter and, you know, Jimmy Horn and Will Shepard and guys like that. Those are the guys I expect to get the ball, but um, you you have to be excited about those two guys for the future. And then you go to the defensive line, guys like Brandon Davis, Swain and Eric Brantley would have been headliners 
most years in the past with Colorado recruiting. And uh, these were super, super productive players at the high school level. They're Brandon Davis Swain's listed at 6'3 and Eric Brantley 6'2. So they're not crazy long like some of those five-star defense alignment. But really, I think that's the only thing keeping them from being, you know, ranked among the top 15 guys uh, among defense alignment because when you watch what they did at the high school level, I mean, these guys were bringing it week in, week out. Yeah, high numbers of sacks, right? Um, I think Davis Swain uh, was like second all-time in Michigan high school history with 50 sacks. And, uh, you know, Brantley was, uh, I think it was 30-some sacks and over 100 you know, tackles for loss in three years on varsity. So both these guys, when I watch them, uh, really good at kind of avoiding offensive linemen getting their hands on them. You know, they were really good at like, uh, they're they're getting past offensive linemen. Not I wouldn't say easily, somewhat easily, but uh, they don't let their let those guys get their hands on them, and they can get past these guys. And they're fast, and they and they get to the ball. So uh, that's impressive. And obviously, it's going to be a different level at college. But when, you love seeing that because you don't even some of the top level or some of the top pass rushers we've seen in the past. I don't think have been as good as these two guys at that. You know, of, of avoiding that contact with the with the linemen and uh, getting into the backfield. And I, I don't know because of the transfers they're bringing on the D line, how big a role you can expect out of either of these guys. But um, I will always take the guy that uh, is a little bit more stout, a little bit more athletic, kind of moves like a wrestler out there over, you know, not to pick on him, but Jason Harris was a highly regarded guy that came into Colorado, but he came in with a basketball frame and he kind of looked at him the same way you did when Jimmy Gilbert got to campus in Boulder and said, it's going to be a few years because you're going to have to adjust to the physicality of it. And uh, so I, these are the type of guys that I like in Chidozi from the transfer ranks as well, having that wrestling background. Um, I like the makeup of the type of defense alignment that the staff recruits. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're they've got some monsters in here. I mean, the guys that have shown it in their previous stops and I don't know high school, again, it's different than college, but um, guys that were high motor and just physical players, and you love seeing that because that's what they need. And uh, that the, the defensive line, the front seven this year, struggled quite a bit. Uh, and they were good at rushing the passer. I'll give them that. They were much better than the previous year, but most of their top pass rushers are now gone. And so you've got to have guys like, a, uh, you know, Davis Swain or or Brantley step up. And I don't know if both of them will, but I could see where, you know, maybe one of those guys emerges and gets into the rotation this year. Definitely not to be forgotten is Georgia running back Michael Welch. He was my most underrated pick. There, there weren't a whole lot of options, as you pointed out, when <laughs> you DM me the other day. I mean, these these are all highly regarded guys. Now, Michael Welch is uh, not a high, not a high three star. He's kind of a mid three star, which I don't know surprises me because this is a guy that really carried the load his junior year. Got banged up his senior year, didn't wasn't able to finish it out, but he was having a highly productive season um and uh this is when coach prime talks about the type of backs that he likes what you see from the, the film with michael welch kind of fits in line yeah. with that being a little bit more of a stout type of back that can wear down defenses as the game goes along yeah i i love this guy and i'm with you he's of the six he's my most underrated guy as well and i really love the way he runs the football um he sort of reminds me a little bit of, of the way anthony hankerson was in high school and, um, you know, a, a, a very highly productive running back in high school that um, just seemed to be, you know, 
overlooked a little bit in recruiting. You know, wound up, uh, I think it was between uh, Colorado and FIU uh, before he came here. Uh, Michael Welch seems to be that same type of thing. Um, I love the way he runs, though, and he's a guy that plays linebacker as well. Uh, he's not afraid of contact, and um, I think he runs with with power, and he's got some speed as well. So, um, you know, I, I can't remember what his yards per carry is, but it was I think it was close to seven. Uh, so I, I like the way he runs. I think he's going to be really good back here. Don't expect a whole bunch more additions, you know, for the regular yeah. signing period. We'll see. Maybe they add a guy or two, but uh, it does sound like a lot of the focus continues to be on filling the gaps with, with some of the transfers. And again, I'll go back. I, I think I've settled on that seems like the right strategy, although it just when it's different, when it's not something that's traditionally done in college football, signing this few guys, it does take some processing, right, to, to kind of uh, understand you know how this is going to work from a chemistry standpoint but you also look at it with the transfer portal now and, and now they're they're granting waivers again i mean is there going to be chemistry in in most programs going forward it, it it seems like maybe the new norm is that you're going to have uh these these transitional programs where guys come in and they're only there for a couple of years and you just try to maximize what you can out of those guys while they're on your campus yeah and i think it's it's interesting to see so much of the attention on coach prime in Colorado when uh, there's all these other schools that are losing big time numbers and, and big time players and Colorado has not lost big time numbers and players this year. I mean, last year, obviously they did, but they're coming off one and 11. But you know, when you see teams like Oklahoma are losing their star quarterback to the transfer portal, um, there's some concerns there, you know, for other teams. And so there's a lot of focus on Colorado that they're not going to have the chemistry, but to your point, um, who's going to have it, you know, I mean, there, there's a lot of teams that are loaded up with, with first year guys and uh, maybe, and there's maybe there's a point to that. I mean, maybe that's why a USC uh, underachieved. It was because they, maybe they didn't have the chemistry because it's a bunch of guys that came in for their first year. Uh, you know, so maybe we'll see some of that, but um, uh, like I said earlier, I think the jury is still out on whether this is a, the right way or a good way to put together a roster. Um, I think I'm just fascinated to, to watch it play out and just see, can this be done? Because the first year was better. I think the second year will be better. So I'm just curious to see it play out. And I'm going to be rooting for some of those guys from Colorado's roster in 2023 that ended up at Oregon State and San Diego State. But, you know, to be frank, I don't think they've lost anything that is really that concerning. Uh, If anything, it's – I wouldn't say it's all been good attrition, but I don't think you worry as a Colorado fan with anything that's hit the portal so far. Yeah, and I don't – I mean, everything they've lost, I think they've replaced with better. You know, um, I think Van Wells was a big loss uh, to me, but uh, we'll see. I, I don't think they're any worse at center right now. But um, to your point, yeah, I'll, I'll root for those guys. It was kind of cool seeing Owen McCown, uh, you know, lead yeah. UTSA to a bowl win the other day. And, you know, we got to know him a little bit. And um, he was about the most exciting thing for Colorado football for about three weeks in 2022. Yeah. And so, you know, to see him get a bowl win, uh, you know, and his first career uh, start, well, first start there um, and to lead a bowl win, that was pretty cool. So, yeah, still still root for those guys, but yeah, I I think this team this roster is better. I think they're going to be a better roster uh, next year and a better overall team. All right, I got to hop on a, a radio interview. You got to hop on a plane, Brian. Uh, happy holidays to you and your family. Happy holidays to you as well, and uh, hopefully you and the kids have some time uh, spend some time together and, and you get some good presents for them. I'm just happy Jordan Seaton signed that letter of intent because otherwise that would have made for a more stressful Christmas around here. So, uh, and happy holidays, everybody out there. And thanks for tuning in.